After the 13th round of military commander meetings, have India-China talks at the line of actual control hit an impasse? Hello and welcome to Worldview at the Hindu with me, Sohasini Heather. Breakdown in talks, the 13th round of talks took place yesterday and a statement of the Chinese military spokesperson on the talks yesterday indicated that talks had failed. This week, India-China talks at the line of actual control took an acrimonious turn at the 13th round of those talks that had begun between military commanders at Chushul Moldo, that process starting in June last year to try and de-escalate tensions, to disengage troops, to agree to dismantle infrastructure that's been built close to the line of actual control, particularly by China, and to reduce the number of soldiers on both sides from the points of contention, which by any estimate are four or five times the normal amounts. The Indian readout from those talks said very clearly that the situation had been caused by China's attempts to alter the status quo. That China, in fact, should take appropriate steps now to restore peace at the line of actual control. India has, of course, been maintaining this all through, but this time actually saying that when it made constructive proposals to the Chinese side, the Chinese side was, quote, not agreeable to them and also could not provide any forward-looking proposals in return. The meeting, the Indian side said, thus did not result in the resolution of the remaining areas without mentioning exactly which areas were being discussed. Now, the Chinese military statement that was accompanied by some tough rhetoric from state-aligned media in particular said that India had in fact made unreasonable and unrealistic demands, really the strongest language we have seen so far. So why specifically is this indication uh, of an impasse? Has 13, the number 13 proved unlucky when it comes to progress at the line of actual control? To begin with, as I said, the language of the official statements is clearly stronger, more accusatory than in the past. Both sides blaming the other for the failure of those talks. Unlike previous statements, it doesn't actually conclude by speaking about continuing dialogue, simply saying they will maintain communication. The second reason why that unlike the 12th round that preceded this, which saw a joint statement being issued, on both sides, the 13th round of military-level talks has had these separate, unreconciled statements. The commander talks had actually followed the second meeting between foreign ministers. Remember, they'd met in Moscow last year and now at Dushanbe. And this stated failure, the failure that the Indian side is talking about, reflects failure at the high levels of communication as well. And the 13th round really came amidst reports of more flashpoints, really particularly coming from China, and really indicators that don't augur very well. The first was really a clash at Arunachal Pradesh's Tawang area, in the Yangtze area. It resulted in Indian forces actually taking Chinese soldiers captive before releasing them, but apparently, by all accounts, a fierce clash there. Uh, second, a bridge in Uttarakhand's Barahote, where Chinese soldiers came in, uh, broke infrastructure, stayed for several hours before then leaving. And then, of course, there was a clash of words really between Delhi and Beijing after. Vice President Venkaiya Naidu visited Arunachal Pradesh and China objected very strongly, claiming that this was a disputed area. And of course, the Ministry of External Affairs in Delhi coming back with a very strong statement asserting that Arunachal Pradesh is in fact an integral and inalienable part of India to that contention. Also, remember, this is the context for these talks. The Chinese military buildup was first reported in Delhi in mid-April 2020. So this is now 
nearly 18 months later, and talks between the two sides have resulted in some disengagement, primarily at Pangong Lake, uh, the north and south of that, and Galwan Valley and Gogra. And some buffer zones have been set up at some of these points, the complaint being that many of those China's actually pushed India into an even more backward position. This time round, in the 13th round, they were talk, discussing the contentious and strategically critical patrol point 15, PP15 as it is called. This is at Hot Springs and the lack of movement over here. Now, if this is the toughest point and uh, there's a lack of movement here, this could hold up the entire disengagement process. What this means over time is that unless another round of talks is held fairly quickly and concluded differently, the failure of the 13th round really means that armies on both sides will spend the second consecutive winter in freezing and very difficult conditions at the line of actual control. Now, clearly, this has begun with Chinese aggression, Chinese incursions at the line of actual control, and then some very aggressive actions that led to the Galwan killings of 20 Indian soldiers in June 2020. Uh, even so, along the way, military experts, and many of them former military officials as well, have insisted that the government needs to clarify its position much more. It needs to, in fact, come clean on a number of issues. And this is to say that this is a criticism coming from within India, notwithstanding the fact that there is a widespread belief that this is really part of China's more aggressive stance in different areas, uh, hegemonistic practices, if you like, and we'll talk a little bit about the international context. But here are the reasons why the government in Delhi must really uh, clarify its position further. Now, to start with, it must be put very plainly that the failure of talks uh, really does mean that there is a failure to convince Chinese troops to revert to their old positions and give up their newly occupied positions uh, by any diplomatic means. It is necessary this be stated clearly for the future, especially if this is going to be a long drawn out impasse. The second, you will remember in 2020, in a very difficult maneuver claimed as major leverage gain by the army at the time, Indian troops had managed to claim heights in the Kailash ranges, including Rezangla and Rechinla, south of Pangong Lake. Now, the government must explain why India agreed to withdraw those troops during the initial rounds of talks this February on disengagement and gave away this leverage point at the beginning of the process rather than waiting for China to show good faith on pulling out on other areas as well. Thirdly, prior to the Chinese incursions, remember Prime Minister Modi had held 18 rounds of talks with Chinese President Xi, including two informal summits that lasted hours and hours. The government has yet to explain what sort of understanding they reached or shared even on the line of actual control and resolving the long-standing boundary issues. Fourth, the military and the government have consistently stated facts just in the last year that they have later either recanted or they've denied stories and later having to confirm them. For example, in mid-May 2020, the military and political leadership said very clearly that the Chinese aggression at the LAC, including two violent clashes, that had happened by then was not actually unusual and resulted from, quote, persisting differences in perception at the line of actual control. However, 18 months later, it is clear that China has occupied large tracts of land, installed infrastructure in areas far from normal activity, which even now uh, you hear from the military and political leadership 
they are admitting that they don't understand or they have not been explained why China is doing what it is doing. Another example of this was in June 2020. Defense officials were quoted widely as saying that Chinese troops had vacated PP-15 at Hot Springs and they were clearing just in underway troops pull out from PP-17 or what's called Gogra Post. Yet the Gogra Post disengagement actually only took place after the 12th round of commander talks in August of 2021. This is according to officials now. We also understand that the discussions at the 13th round was on PP-15. So what had happened a year ago? Clearly, the Chinese pullout at the time was not what the military officials or the defense sources speaking at the time were claiming. And fifth, to date, the statement of Prime Minister Modi on June 19th, 2020, days after the Galwan killings, where he said, nobody has entered Indian territory. Na koi ghusa hai. Has not, that statement has not been updated yet. Uh, External Affairs Minister Jay Shankar said recently that China has amassed troops on its side of the LAC, but not explained why that alone would merit this kind of a standoff and those 13 round of talks. Clearly, something more has happened. As I said earlier, there is an international context to the situation at the line of actual control. And the reason why India's reactions are being watched very closely. To begin with, there are growing US-China tensions on many issues. And it would seem as if the polarization is going to want India to commit more clearly to one side. Uh, this will also be watched on the China-Taiwan tensions and we dealt with that in the earlier Worldview episode. India has declined to comment, for example, on the Chinese decision to send nearly 150 planes over Taiwan's air defense identification zone. That was considered a very aggressive move. Now, secondly, in the international context, there's the increasing militarization of the Indo-Pacific. China is increasing its bases. It's sending its blue water navy to ports across the Indian Ocean region. So this affects India quite directly. But on the other side, the U.S. and its allies and alliances like the newly announced AUKUS or Australia, UK, U.S. grouping to ensure that more nuclear-propelled, agile and hard-to-detect submarines are at Australia's command has also come up. Now, any spark on India's continental front will certainly make India's moves on the maritime front much more strained. So this is the international context really for India. And finally, there's Afghanistan, where the Taliban is still in a strong position two months after ousting the Ghani government. Uh, and India faces that as a new threat alongside growing violence in Kashmir, once again, the unpredictable line of control with Pakistan and the now active line of actual control with China. On Worldview, we will certainly keep track of those talks and all the developments for you. Uh, we do have some new book recommendations this week. Uh, to start with something we I had spoken about last week as well, The Long Game, How the Chinese Negotiate with India by former Foreign Secretary Vijay Gokhale. He was India's ambassador to China. Also another Indian ambassador to China uh, and former Foreign Secretary Nirupama Rao's new book, The Fractured Himalay, India-Tibet, China from 1949 to 1962. Very important historical context. Uh, and speaking of historical context, there's the Battle of Razangla written by Kulpreet Yadav. This is a book that gives you that historical context from 1962 of what happened at Razangla, what it meant and how Indian soldiers, a very small group of just 120, were able to battle a Chinese army several times over. Of course, many lost their lives. Uh, that's an interesting book. There are two more that have come out talking about how to rise to the China challenge. One uh, edited by a former Indian ambassador to China as well, Gautam Bambawale, along with a lot of other experts. It's called Rising to the China Challenge. And then there's Blinkers Off. 
How will the world counter China by Gauri Dwivedi? And this has a lot of facts and data as well about dealing with the China problem. But that's all we have time for this week here on Worldview from the team here. Thanks for watching.